0: Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the new week where the big scoop was President Biden making a secret trip to Ukraine. MSNBC described this on screen as historic. Well, not just on screen. I think they used the word about seven times an hour. But how on earth do they know this is history in the making? The obvious joke is this is, you know, this would be historic if it was the first trip to Ukraine by a non-binary president of color. Notice that we define history a lot now as first things done by marginalized people. Look, Russia's invasion of Ukraine is historic. But we don't know which thing Biden does is going to make history. This is just one of my pet peeves, this overuse of the H-word. It's a premature ejaculation of positivity. The obvious theme on conservative Twitter was, Wow, unbelievable Biden can't visit the Ohio toxic fiasco, but he can fly to Kiev. Maybe there's some truly important reason to visit Vladimir Zelensky right now on this exact date. It's always a security risk to travel into a war zone. But we just know that when President Trump or President George W. Bush showed up in a war zone, like to greet American soldiers, MSNBC and the rest of the liberal outlets went looking for negative angles about the trip. Then we saw Tom Elliott put out this clip of Douglas Brinkley. Extremely significant. Significant. Zelensky has been called the Churchill of our generation and Biden going there today. It's going to be a moment for the history books. It's like JFK went to Berlin in 1961. Biden did something really heroic. All he has to do is show up and he's a hero. This is not the way Republican presidents are greeted when they travel abroad. All right, so let's Focus on the big gossip item now. Are we on the Don Lemon firing watch? He did not report for duty on Monday's edition of CNN This Morning. They just said Don is off today. Well, Don is off every day, but sometimes he's on the set. Uh, The New York Post reports embattled CNN anchor Don Lemon won't appear on the network's morning show Monday for for the second consecutive day as the fallout from his sexist remarks controversy swirls at the cable network. Lemon was scheduled to be back in the anchor chair, but opted to take off the President's Day holiday, according to network spokesperson Matt Dornick. I thought he was coming back tomorrow, but he is taking the holiday, Dornick said it in an email. Lemon's absence on Monday was first reported by the Daily Beast, who cited network sources that claim his position was being discussed at the highest levels of the company, among top men and women. There are ongoing conversations about Don's future, one source told them. He is a constant distraction. Well, that's true. It just seems to me Don Lemon doesn't play well with others. He's used to having a show by himself, and I'm sure what they're talking about is, can he learn to play with others in his 50s? Can he learn to be kinder to the women he works with? Did they put this show together too quickly before they discovered that Don Lemon didn't want to do a morning show with other people? Well, we all know this. CNN this morning's ratings are terrible. They're just awful. Uh, now, this is a common problem for them, but here we go again. Uh, over on Fox News Media Buzz, Ben Dominish sounded like our Brent Bozell. He said this is yet another in a long series of idiotic, sexist comments that he has made repeatedly on that network. The only reason that I think he continues to get away with them is so few people are watching. So few people to be outraged. But uh, Dominesh suggested this would probably happen again because there's a line of these comments, so it'll probably happen again. It's sort of like expecting the view to sound stupid again. Yeah, speaking of Don Lemon saying Nikki Haley is passed her prime... Nick Caro tweeted that Whoopi Goldberg was doing the Don Lemon thing. Claiming that Nikki's not a new generation. She's 51. She may be younger than the average, but she's just too Republican. It's time for a new generation of leadership. You're not a new generation. You're 51. What are you talking about? DC, though compared to DC, that's a new generation. Well, but, it's, no, but it's not a new generation. She may be, she may be younger than most of those people, but her, her rhetoric is the same. Now, this, you're not a new generation. You're 51. Is a weird tack, because the youngster there is Alyssa Farrah. She's 33. Anna Navarro is 51, just like Nikki Haley. Everyone else is way past the Nikki Haley prime. Sonny Hostin is 54. Whoopi Screaming Goldberg is 67. And Joy Behar is 80. She's Biden's age. None of these people are going to get dragged off the set of ABC under a 25th Amendment scenario. Because there is no such scenario for this wackadoo show. Speaking of Nikki Haley, on Sunday, Inside Politics host... Abby Phillip made this bizarre claim. Audie Cornish was laying out the approach of Nikki Haley and other Republicans on race. They're going to basically try to say America is not hopelessly, systematically racist, which makes all the liberals unhappy. But they don't like the idea that somehow there's a middle ground on race where we can acknowledge past racism and say today it's not so bad they don't like people going to the voters with that. So this is what we got from Abby Phillip. I have to say, I mean, before you jump in, Jeremy, it's a little disheartening to also see that happening. I mean, I think it's fine to, to do all of that, but to not address uh, the real... I mean, there there are some real, you know, nasty elements of the Republican Party, white supremacists and others who want to align themselves with that party, and nobody is really condemning those people. It is simply a pants-on-fire lie to say nobody's really condemning the white supremacists. And it's one of those things that isn't really necessary. It's like saying not enough Democrats are attacking the anti-Semites. Well, they can't do that, maybe, because it'd make Ilhan Omar look bad. But, I mean, this is one of those things where you know you have a liberal media when they're constantly saying the Republicans have to denounce people who support them. Now, you can get support in an election from all kinds of disreputable people. Both parties do it. Convicted criminals get out. They get the right to vote back. People run around saying the murderers all voted for the Democrats. I mean, if you have the right to vote, you have a right to vote for who you want. But it's just funny that they would try to say, If you get a vote from a white supremacist, it means you haven't denounced a white supremacist. Or if you, you know, if you get the vote of a white supremacist, then obviously you are a racist somehow or you please a racist. This is just the way that they play because they're still angry about Donald Trump being elected in 2016. NBCnews.com had a nasty article about Nikki Haley, very one-sided. With a screenshot of the uh, headline, gay contrarian journalist Josh Barrow tweeted this, so many media outlets have this strategy for reporting on Asian and Hispanic communities. They talk to progressive activists and treat their comments as being representative of the whole community. This is true. I just wonder if Josh Barrow would agree this is also their strategy with the LGBTQ community. The progressives represent everyone. He tweeted over, Zaid Jelani, oh, no, this is the one that had the headline in it. Um, He pointed out that NBC's expert for Indian Americans is the head of something called the AAPI Victory Alliance, the Asian American Pacific Islander Victory Alliance, a group that pretty much only endorses Democrats. Its advisory council is pretty much all Obama alumni. If you go to the link that Jelani has in his tweet, you'll find 21 of the 22 people listed tout that they belong to President Barack Obama's advisory commission on Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. One of them touts not only that, but also former executive director, White House Initiative on Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. So yes, this is always the habit Nikki Haley's not appealing in a Republican primary, say people who are all Obama members, Obama commission members. The NBC report came from a reporter named Sakshi Venkatraman reporting for the NBC Asian America compartment, you know, like NBC Out for the LGBTQ community and NBC BLK. I think you can figure out who that's for. Sakshi began, if Haley, born Nimrata Randawa to Sikh Punjabi parents, is trying to make inroads with Indian Americans, experts say it's not working. See, that's the way it works. We're going to go expert shopping and find an Obama commission guy. She doesn't represent the community, said Varun Nikori, executive director of the AAPI Victory Alliance a nonprofit group representing Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders yes that's the other thing that they usually describe liberal groups it's merely a nonprofit group in fact nikori said there's a multitude of issues where she specifically and the republican party are diametrically opposed to where aapi's are see when they have that hostility to the entire republican party that might clue you in that he's not going to be a fan of haley Then NBC says, Haley did not respond to NBC News' request for comment. Hmm, I'd love to see that email. We'll be doing a piece on how you're a terrible Indian American. Would you like to comment? It continued, some South Asians say Haley's on and off acknowledgement of her ethnic background is a routine with they're familiar with. Nicori, who has followed Haley's career since the beginning, says her use of her racial identity often goes hand in hand with perpetuating the model minority myth, taking anti-immigration stances and opposing comprehensive education about race in the U.S. All right. Anybody want to decode that? Yes. The model minority myth. This is the Asian-Americans get awfully upset. We're not a model minority. We're a bunch of radical punkers, apparently. If you're not a model minority, how come they're trying to keep you out of Ivy League schools? (laughs) Too many Asians. Then over to NPR, Clay Waters reports for us. Morning anchor, Laidle Faddle, offered this pundit on Haley. Our colleague, A. Martinez asked conservative commentator Tara Setmeyer about how Haley's bid fits into GOP efforts to present a more inclusive face. This is one of those really annoying tendencies. You take somebody who's an advisor to the Lincoln Project, who's all over MSNBC, denouncing the Republicans, and you call them a quote-unquote conservative commentator. Obviously, When NPR identifies someone as a conservative commentator, it probably means they're not because NPR listeners don't want to hear any conservatives. Tara Setmeyer, of course, said to see Nikki Haley reemerge now as a presidential candidate feels a little hollow to me as far as the Republicans efforts to continue diversifying, given the positions that she took and was accepted of working under the Donald Trump administration. So obviously, as a minority, if you join the Trump administration, you're a self-loathing minority, apparently. I personally would not have taken a job of the Trump administration because of who Trump is, not because he's somehow a racist. Just generally, if you want to not have to defend constant dishonesty and and a casual relationship with the truth, eh, Anyway, she uh, Tara Sittmeyer added, she's like a Bush-era Republican in a Trump-era Republican party. So instead of a Repu- if you were actually a Republican who wanted to restore the Republicans, you'd say, well, perhaps the Bush-era Republicans are a cure to the Trump-era Republicans. But what they're truly really trying to say is, we want the Republican Party to be crushed. Therefore, any Republican is an unacceptable Republican. Basically, to be an acceptable Republican, you have to be somebody like Larry Hogan, who gave the Democrats pretty much everything they wanted in Maryland. Then online at NPR, as Clay notes, Daniel Kurtzleben wrote that Haley's the first woman of color to be a major candidate for the Republican nomination, and she acknowledges her difference, and then immediately blasts Democrats as racially divisive. Oh! <gasps> Referencing the 1619 Project and progressive lawmaker Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yes, this is her talking about uh, Haley's announcement video. But simply casting Democrats as the enemy won't unify all Republicans, particularly those who are disgusted with what the GOP has become. A word for NPR. If you're disgusted at what the GOP has become, aren't you probably a Biden voter at this point? Obviously, there are some people who refuse to vote for Trump or Trump endorsed candidates, but maybe they're still Republicans. I think if you're disgusted with the GOP like Tara Setmeyer is, you're not voting for any of the Republicans for president. You're going to vote for Biden again. The NPR report continued on the disgusted with Republicans beat. Teresa Cosby at Furman University points out Haley is often mistaken for a moderate But right now, being more extreme may appeal more to primary voters in a swath of red states, including South Carolina. Yes, there you get your liberal professor who talks about somehow Haley shouldn't be seen as a moderate. She's an extremist. Yes, if you oppose critical race theory and uh, trans surgeries on children, you may be an extremist like You know, Ron DeSantis. How dare he? Then on the Haley beat, this was really something. MSNBC host Mady Hassan, with the snobbish British accent, sounds like the brown John Oliver, brought on Wajahat Ali, New York Times contributor. Ali was saying that... uh, Haley uses her brown skin as a weapon against poor black folks and poor brown black folks. I'm confused. She uses her brown skin to launder white supremacist talking points. Nikki Haley instead is the Dinesh D'Souza of Candace Owens. Yeah, somebody's talking like they're tweeting on television. Yes, but basically what Wajahat Ali and Mehdi Hassan are trying to say is true brown people are leftists. If you're not a leftist, you're white or you're trying really hard to be white. Yes, Ali also called Haley an alpha Karen with brown skin. And for white supremacists and racists, she's the perfect Manchurian candidate. Okay, so she's somehow like brainwashed? (laughs) I mean, this is the way that people talk. There's so much disrespect. You know, you can disagree with Nikki Haley on things. And you can even be upset and say she should be a model minority. This This should be our definition of model minority. The model minority is the one that goes along with the progressive agenda. That's the model. You're not a rebellious person if you accept every left-wing talking point as a minority. That makes you a model minority. Then I did want to throw this in. Uh, Our Kevin Tober was one of the few Americans who watched Who's Talking to Chris Wallace on CNN on Sunday night? One of the guests was Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Wallace grilled him about the historic level of illegal immigration. I mean, this was really Fox News Sunday style, Wallace. He was lecturing Mayorkas, the border is not secure. Then he did ask him if he took Republican talk of impeaching him seriously. Why? Yes, he did, he said. But this part was funnier. What, what do you think is the basis for their calling for your impeachment? Do you think you've done anything wrong? No, I don't. I think it is a um, a disagreement over policy, and I think it is used for political purposes uh, to uh, continue a, a negative dialogue about a migration challenge that is not unique to the United States, to continue that dialogue, to uplift it for political reasons. What kind of lingo is that? There's a negative dialogue about a migration challenge Look, it doesn't really matter if migration is a big thing around the globe. What really matters to Americans is how is this administration handling it? And it looks like they're either incompetent or they're interested in just maximizing illegal immigration as some sort of political scheme. There's really no issue on which the Biden people have more aggressively tried to be the exact opposite of what the Trump administration policy was. And we know that how the media treated that. It was basically, they treated it as a white supremacist agenda. And an an Islamophobic agenda. There was a Muslim ban. Well, there wasn't, but that's what they called it. You know, putting any kind of restraint on immigration is apparently racist. Now, keep track of this. And I know Fox News mentioned this the other day, that actually the amount of illegal immigration now coming across the northern border, the stats are a little stunning right now. So, you know, I suppose the question is, are are we having an influx of Canadians? Or, you know, have people figured out from other countries that they can come in the northern border more because there's less people staffed at the northern border? And probably northern border states aren't exactly prepared for an influx, but that's an interesting issue as well, uh, kind of undercovered right now, especially if you're the type that hates panic about immigration. Immigration is a problem. It is a it's a legal problem, a health problem, an educational problem, a government spending problem. It's a problem. Uh, it's a crisis. But this is not the terminology you use if you're a Democrat, if you're supporting everything the Biden administration does. You know, we should give credit to Chris Wallace for pressing him on this. It's sort of like, by the way, Kevin Tober had this too. It's sort of like Margaret Brennan on CBS pressing Bernie Sanders. You've got a new book out, you know, about capitalism and yet you have three houses and this sort of stuff. And you want to say, good for you for asking this question. Now, the the problem is, shouldn't we expect all journalists to do this? Shouldn't the Democrats have to sort of figure out what they're going to be asked that they might not like? Because in reality, they're usually not ready or prepared for negative questions. They're used to puffball questions. They're used to the kind of people like Douglas Brinkley who want to compare Biden to JFK. Oh, and he means that in the best possible way. So if you want to see what's going on on these crazy liberal networks and the liberal newspapers and the liberal websites, you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.